to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 192, where we recommend and lovingly review the best of the brand new comic books that just came out, New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, January 16th. And this particular podcast likes to sleep four feet above its covers. I am also joined by my trusty sidekick, co-host Ian Yarrington. How you doing, Ian? Hello, how's it going? How are you, my friend? I'm doing well if you're in comic book land. Yes, another day, another donut? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, always two donuts. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Chris Latori. We hope you and yours are doing good, as always. That's important. Please hit that subscribe button to the Sunspots Comics podcast. Check out all of our past podcasts on our giant podcast feed. And please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, and YouTube at Sunspots Comics. And tell the folks where they can find you, Ian. I'm on Twitter at Ian D. Yarrington, and I do comic book reviews on comicbook.com. Nice. Thank you, sir. And as always, we love to start the show with some humble thank yous. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Yes, right in your ear holes. Thank you for listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Whether you're just trying us out, this is your first time, or you're one of our Sunspots Comics loyalists, seriously, thank you for choosing the Sunspots Comics Podcast. There's only what... 1.21 1.21 billion podcasts to choose from, I think, right? Yeah, there's only a couple. Only <laughs> Just a few. Billions. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you also to my friend Nick Papa George for singing our sweet Sunspots Comics theme song. Please check out his solo singing stuff on Facebook.com slash and his band Solution at Facebook.com slash Solution Reggae. If you love rock and reggae and island-style music uh, all fused together... Just to make you feel good, then you're going to love the sounds of my friend Nick Papa George and Solution. So thank you, Nick. And also thank you to our sponsor, Pop-Up Tea. Check out their super giant selection of nerdy t-shirts at popuptea.com. They've got it all, right? Oh yeah, tons of stuff, man. Uh, lots of stuff on sale, too. 25% off. Right. Use the Sunspots Comics. Use that word. Yes. And you'll get 25% off of any shirt order, even the clearance stuff. So thank you to popuptea.com. Now, let's make a superhero landing. Oh, I got to get an x-ray for that. Uh, <laughs> we're so brittle, right? Yeah, getting old here. Getting <laughs> old. Right into the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 192, starting out with some stuff that's been floating around up inside of our nerdy brains. The first nugget of nerd lodged ever so deeply in our nerdy frontal lobes is the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. It is here. Oh, man. And spoiler warning before we begin, Ian and I are just going to break it on down. Uh, since, by the way, it's just broken all of Sony's trailer viewing records. So we're going to break it down. So just a light spoiler warning. So tell the people, Ian, uh, initially your thoughts of the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. What did you think of it? I thought it was pretty much perfect. I mean, honestly, what what do you want out of a trailer? You want a little bit of a tease about the characters, which, um, you know, Spider-Man, Mysterio, everything was perfect. And 
you want to know a little bit about what's going on, but you don't want to know too much. And I know that you're a big uh, anti-spoiler type of a guy. So mm -hmm. since this is high on your list of, of good trailers, I think that, that means they did a pretty darn good job, you know? Yes, I know I'm not going to watch anything from this point. The rest of it, I have to just uh, take myself away. Uh, and, and Otherwise, I think that then it's gone too far. But this was just the right amount. I agree with you. It, it was just a tickling, right? A little tease with a feather. Yep, That's... Just, just <laughs> enough. Just enough to let you know what's going on, you know? Perfect. Right. Oh, and I completely laughed out loud uh, with the opening little sequence. Peter Parker, to pick up a passport, please, and a pack of pickled peppers while I'm at it. <laughs> right? It was... yeah. <laughs> I actually laughed out loud at the very end with uh, Flash when he's like, I have so much respect for Spider-Man. And then uh, you know, he's like, hey, what's up? You know. I he's all exactly dickwad. I think yeah. he said dick or something like that. <laughs> like, dude, hey, come dude. on. The iron <laughs> right. is just thick with this one. That was good comedic timing. It just played it out just right, right? Yeah, definitely. And it kind of plays it plays into the whole, uh, the last movie too. So it, it's nice to see that uh, these kids still have a good vibe going. Right. Yeah, I like it. it's the 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 band's back. They're yeah, all back exactly. together. It had that feel. And from the final sequence of Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, with Aunt May's "What the?" and then Blitzkrieg pop. Right. She doesn't finish the last word. Of course, it's PG. PG or PG thirteen movie. I um, is it? It I seemed like it could have just been PG, but just the violence. Um, but yeah. so Aunt May knows that Pete is Spidey. They very clearly ran with that. I kind of spoilered it, I guess, a little. Like she, it was not. He, he couldn't get his way out of it because it seems very clear that, you know, she knows they're having this like homeless shelter fundraiser. They high five with him in the Spidey outfit and no mask on. So what did you think of that? Um, you know, they, it, it makes sense. It all kind of. Uh... It all kind of flows with uh, with homecoming, and it you know makes sense. And I kind of expected it to be honest. Yeah, think of if they if they would have tried to play that off like he's. I mean, how? What would be the far fetched way of? I mean, the suit is just so uh, you know significant, and it looks very tech you know savvy. It doesn't look like a cheap suit thrown together. I don't think there's any way he could have lied his way out of it, or Aunt May would seem kind of uh you know kind of dull. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't think it's too uh, strong of a note to end on to just come back and pretend like it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Plus, you know, a lot yeah. of a lot of times, uh, like in Into the Spider Verse, uh, Aunt May is kind of a you know an integral part. Yes, I mean she always is throughout all of it through the comic and everything. And uh, yeah, they don't want to brand new day her <laughs> and just boop, it's gone, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no demon coming in to change uh, the time space continuum. Um, but I also like that Aunt May's job uh, mirrors the comic book and the video game uh, from PlayStation in that she kind of works with uh, helping homeless people. You know, just seemed like uh, the thread uh, chimed throughout all the different sort of franchises. You know. Yeah, and it's definitely an Aunt Mayish type thing, you know, that selfless, uh, the selfless type person that she is. Yeah, I agree. It feels, you know, it feels right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also you don't uh, go and get an actress like Marissa Tomei and then not, you know, kind of, you know, use her. Exactly. No, you, you, she's, you know, a respected actress, and yes, they, they she's, she's there to be significant, and I appreciate that. And, uh, and then... Um, Happy Hogan slash Foggy Nelson. <laughs> It'll kind of always be foggy to me. Uh, John Favreau 
is uncomfortably hitting on Aunt May, um, who, by the way, she got like a major makeover. Aunt May did. Do you, did you notice that? I, I didn't notice that. No. No, like I, I, it, I remember reviewing uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, and how they sort of unprettied her, uh, the Aunt May uh, actress, which her name is now escaping me. Um, but they, you know, they put weird kind of off, like giant glasses on her, and like oh, weird. That, that I do remember. Yes. Yeah, they they kind of they unprettied her, and then she got a makeover for this. So I noticed that right off the bat. <laughs> And then, like, Mary Jane, the her character, uh, which is also played by uh, Zendaya, she got a slight makeover, but they didn't quite kind of fully make her over. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in the first one, she was, like, totally frumpy, unibrowed, you know, um, kind of uh, emo person that you hardly recognize or see, right? right. <laughs> yeah. And then this one, she got, like, a midway makeover, you know, like, uh, just kind of in the middle, she didn't go full makeover. Like, like, what do you think they're doing there? Like, <laughs> where do you think they're going with MJ and Zendaya? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I know that it would be silly to assume anything but the, you know, the love interest that, that MJ turns out to be. But, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. If that's the, uh, you know, the wardrobe department or the makeup. I don't know who's, whose deal that is. And I don't know if it's by design or not either. It's got to be part of the story as the, at the, you know, that she's hopefully blossoming into somewhat uh, the Mary Jane we're familiar with, you know, which is in the comics and everything else. She's like a model. She's like, you know, like a supermodel. She's like spunky. She's like outspoken. And maybe they're they're developing her slowly to getting to that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they did a good job. Uh, I think Zendaya is really good at, in capturing her, the feel of MJ. But uh, yeah, I think I like where you're going with this. Like maybe they're just... Uh... They're trying to have her looks catch up with her personality. Yeah, I guess so. And they're doing it in slow fashion. So she's, I feel like she's at the midway, the midpoint of makeover. And then like part three of this, she's just going to be like a rock star, you know, supermodel or something. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> and so will Aunt May. She's going to get an, uh, also a new makeover. It's like they're slowly prettying, you know, these women that we already know like they're pretty, you know, like it's just kind of in a way it's kind of weird to me, but Anyway, it's the development of their characters. That's the way they chose to go with it. But what did you think of uh, Foggy hitting on Aunt May? <laughs> uh, you know, that didn't bother me too much. It's better than Tony Stark, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Does that seem creepier with him? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It did? I don't know. I, I'm just not a big fan of like the Foggy character. Like in Spider-Man Homecoming, he just seemed to just always have this disdain. He's bothered. He disliked Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And so... Yeah. You know, now he's going to try to work his way in as being like, you know, dating his aunt and being his buddy. I don't know. Well, I'm kind of hoping for redemption as far as that's concerned. I kind of I felt the same way. I was like, come on, you know, come on, happy, because I've loved him since the first Iron Man movies, you know, Um, I've I've loved his character. But he's kind of always had that little bit of an attitude and disdain, even when he was talking with Tony. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I kind of want him to be a little bit more upbeat i guess a little bit more nice <laughs> i totally agree like, he's such a jerk <laughs> he came off as kind of 2d or just one noted to me um in spider-man homecoming so i i do hope that as well they they change him up a little and he realizes like spider-man is this amazing super powered you know hero and his he's got a heart of gold and he only wants to do what's what's right constantly he's be treated as such not that he deserves like this heavy gravitas over him you know he's a kid but still he deserves a little better into how he's being treated by Foggy, in my opinion. Yeah, um, and I mean, he's a good kid. That's, you know, that's yeah. part of the Spider-Man mystique, right? Is 
he's a good guy. He's a, you know, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So why don't you be friendly to him? <laughs> yeah. Come on, happy or foggy. Yeah, I'm just going to keep calling happy. him foggy. Let's right. get it together, Foggy. <laughs> but anyway, I hope they I hope they do move forward with him a little bit and change it up. And Redemption, I like where you're going with that. I hope that Peter Parker Spider-Man gets to redeem himself with Happy. That would be super cool. Um, and then we also noticed the Spider-Man, the Spider-Sense still kind of on the fritz, not quite working as Nick Fury, uh, you know, tranquilizes his buddy. <laughs> what did you think of the Spider-Sense aspect of a few of the moments that were happening, right? he People are behind him. He, he doesn't sense them. It just doesn't still seem to really be full spider sense. It's like working at maybe a quarter of its of its potential. What do you think of the spider sense sense aspect? You know, I'm I'm not really sure what to think about that, and uh, uh, it kind of flows in with the because for me, I'm not sure where this lies in continuity. I think it maybe it happens before the snap, but uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what to think about that. And that's actually it's funny that you bring that up because that's one of the things I thought is. Maybe he didn't feel it because Nick's not really a threat. Like he wasn't there to hurt him necessarily. That's the only thing I could think. But yeah, I'm not really sure on that. I think they've, I mean, what what the tease was for me to to kind of leaning me towards his spider sense should be a little more, at least at sort of half strength, uh, was, you know, in Avengers Infinity War, the hairs on on his hands stood up when there was a spaceship, you know, miles away. Yeah, that's true. So um, I'm like, okay, he's got spider sense now? And even if this doesn't take... this, I think this very much is before the finger snap, right? Just right after the sequence uh, of Spider-Man being in, in Infinity Wars. Um, then I, I, I thought, well, because of the hair standing up on his arms, his spider sense would be a little better. He doesn't know Nick Fury, um, to kind of go against your theory a little bit. Doesn't know him, right? His friend gets tranquilized and is down. You would think uh, a couple of hairs would stand up, right? Something, like maybe a a little bit of a strange feeling. Right, an eyebrow, you know, tingles maybe, instead of the whole spider sense, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, just a little (laughs) back of the neck tingle, anything. (laughs) That'd be great if they zoom in and his eyebrow hairs stand up. That's it, that's all he's got so so far. (laughs) Just the eyebrow on the right eye, and he's like, what's happening here? And then later it's kind of all the hairs, you know, and he's at 100%, but he's only at 25%, so he just gets an eyebrow of, of... tingling <laughs> i don't know that's just me but um mysterio right looked amazing with the fishbowl in action and the green fog wow yeah what'd you think i wow i was uh that's what i was most nervous about i was like god i hope they do mysterio correct because if they don't i'm gonna be really mad yeah it was like a whew, moment right yeah, totally. Even uh, even just seeing him with the helmet off when he's like, you don't want any part of this. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> when he took the fishbowl off, I, I, I just, when Gladiator uh, Jake the Snake Gyllenhaal took the fishbowl off, I swear, in my mind for some reason, he looked a little bit like Colin Farrell and Alexander the Great when, when he's wearing like his war garb. Uh, it just, it, it immediately came into mind and I was like, did I... Was I in the right? Was I thinking that correctly? So I had to like scour the internet and he was wearing like 12 outfits. Alexander the Great was in the movie, but one of them looks exactly like what Jake Gyllenhaal is wearing there in that moment. Uh, I should just post it online like a side by side because it's yeah, like no, the, I... the red cape on the shoulders and it's like the same kind of grid in his chest 
and they uh, I got to do the side by side thing. But uh, what did you yeah. think of I you think know? I remember that uh, that very movie. Yeah, I barely remember the movie. I mean, I didn't really care for it. It wasn't great. But um, what did you think of uh, Jake when we saw when the fishbowl came off? What did you think? I, I liked it. I was very happy with it. I like him better with the fishbowl on, but <laughs> it was still it was still nice. I, I enjoyed it. it didn't, I think it's a good it's a good look for Mysterio, I think. Yeah, he looked I, I I didn't feel like it was CG too, it's just like a practical suit, right? Yeah, I'm guessing it probably was a real suit and you know it wouldn't surprise me at all if they uh, reused a bunch of stuff from that old movie. That yeah. Great. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, is that a Sony property? Maybe. Uh, that's, that's worth a Google. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look that up. But I kind of chuckled, I think, when I saw that and I saw Colin Farrell, I don't know, and it just, you know, it just popped into my head. But Oh, we also get to see a very quick little flash. Did you see the, the Spider-Man, the stealth outfit? Did you see it? No. Yeah, yeah, you can, if you, uh, I think it's right after when he pulls the fishbowl off his head and, and it, what it looks like Hydra-Man um, is on the scene, but it's... It's uh, the special effects and mind powers of uh, of you know Mysterio, but there's just this flash of him in a stealthy black outfit with almost kind of noiry looking goggles, like kind of steampunky looking goggles, almost. But it's cut right out of the Spider-Man PS4 game. It's that black stealth Spider-Man outfit. It's cool. You got to go back and check it out. Yeah, the thing I've been watching it a lot on my phone. I need to watch it on like an actual computer so I can so I can see all the good stuff that I've been missing on my phone. Yeah, there's some flashes. I mean, even the, what the, uh, the the conjuring of uh, characters that Mysterio brings up looks like Sandman and Hydra Man, but, you know, they're not. Um, but a little tingle for me happened there, too. I'm like, oh, are they doing, like, three villains for a second? You know? Like, are we going to see three? Is it going to be, like, an over-villainy kind of situation? But it, do, it does just like they were conjuring of his, uh, you know, his uh, special effects-y slash magic powers. Yeah, I think they're... Uh... Just a theory here, but I think they're kind of trying to build to the Sinister Six. Yeah, I mean, what about you know? Are we going to see the continuation of that that bonus scene on the, at Sp- Spider-Man: Homecoming with the Scorpion? You know? Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, we've already got you know, uh, Scorpion and uh, yeah, and uh, now mis- adding Mysterio on there. That's three right there. Right. Right, getting closer. That would be great. I mean, yeah, but half of them. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I totally agree with what you said. It was just a tease. It was a nice, it was nice enough for me to, from this point, sequester myself and not watch anything else related to uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. But if I had to give it a, if you had to give it a rating, what would you give it? Oh, I, you know, I'd give it at least four stars, if not five, because uh, to me, that was an almost perfect teaser trailer. Right, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like a B plus. You know, it. Uh, it I, when I reviewed Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, there were some of those things I talked about with Happy and uh, the group and Flash being, uh, uh, you know, such a, a departure and Mary Jane being such a departure. All those things kind of hit again, but I'm still super excited about this. So I definitely would go somewhere like with you, a four star, a B plus overall as a great teaser. Spider-Man: Far From Home. If you haven't seen it, if you're one, one of the only people that haven't seen it, because Sony's servers are shutting down because of how many people are watching this uh, trailer which is great right yeah absolutely buy more trailers sony yes or, uh, more <laughs> more storage more yeah. server space do whatever you got to yeah. do but yeah spider-man far from home uh it's great it's uh it's peter parker picking up his passport with a pack of pickled peppers that's that's my review <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, go look at it. And the last thing floating around in the side of our nerd brains is that I'm making my very own comic book. It's called Zombie Destroyers. I created Zombie Destroyers. I'm doing the writing and the lettering. Art is by my friend Jordan Hudson at Skablad. Check it out. It's S-K-A-B-L-A-D-D. And colors by Caroline Nalasco at Carol N. Art. But go check it out. you got to get a glimpse of what my comic book Zombie Destroyers looks like. Just go over to sunspotscomics.com and click on Zombie Destroyers. You'll see three glorious sample colored pages right there on sunspotscomics.com. And uh, next, just want to give a quick mention to a segment on our show called Spotlighting. Spotlighting is the interview part of our Sunspots Comics podcast where we share some great conversations with comic book creators. For example, check out the Spotlighting interview that I'm super proud of. It's an interview with comic book artist and movie director Troy Nixie. He's an artist of a comic book through Dark Horse called Vinegar Teeth that we both dug. What did you think of uh, Vinegar Teeth? Vinegar Teeth was a really strange, but like very fun, very cool comic book, man. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's well said, weird and odd. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Troy Nixie's creation, that is um, Vinegar Teeth. You got to look at that. But he also directed a movie um, written by Guillermo del Toro. It's called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And I actually really enjoyed it. And I don't say that about a lot of horror films. Uh, but we talk about that and a whole bunch more. Please check it out. It's uh, Troy Nixie on the Sunspots Comics podcast feed. And there are more interviews coming and a bunch of other spotlighting interviews with some amazing comic book creators on the feed already. So check those out. And if you work in comic books or you're trying to break into the comic book industry like me, let's have a chat about some comic books. Maybe we can actually even help you get the word out of your comic book. Just send me a message and a review copy of your comic book to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com, or just message me at sunspotscomics so that we can set that up. So now, on to the heart and soul, the centerpiece, the main event of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is our comic book recommendations. We are about to share with you our favorite comic book picks of the new comic books that just came out on New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, January 16th. Ah, but don't worry, never fear. We are going to give you just small little tidbits, super duper light spoiler uh, warning going up here that we, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to make you want to buy this comic. We don't want you to get, you know, uh, too much of a spoiler. We're not gonna tell you everything that happens. We're just gonna go through, tell you some of the most uh, pertinent parts. Tell you what we liked about it, and hopefully you go out and buy some. Amen, brother. Pertinent. Yes, I like that word. That's a, that's yeah. a powerful word. <laughs> and penitent. right? Penitent <laughs> yes. and pertinent. Those are two good ones. I'm writing those down. Only the penitent men shall pass. Uh, <laughs> but before we get on to the top comics... Let's announce this week's Artist Winner and Cover Artist Winner of the Week. Every week we pick what we believe to be the best comic book art of the week. So you got to put your eyeballs on these immediately. You'll be so happy that you did. Uh, this week we picked different cover artists and artist winners this week. So Ian, you start. Who is your cover artist and artist winner of the week? Uh, my cover art and artist winner are one and the same. I got Jorge Corona uh, for Middle West. Uh, along with Jean-Francois Bollier. Something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, man. Sorry, John, if I, if I messed up your name there. But, we apologize. Uh, lettering from Nate Picos of Blambot. Blambot, uh, yeah. The cover art is actually by Mike Huddleston. Um, yes. Wonderful cover. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, 
as we know, Abel, the main character, his dad had a little uh, accident type thingy happen, and uh, his dad happens to be on the cover. And it's, uh, I think for me, the the coloring is what draws this out, the background and everything. Uh, just whew, absolutely amazing to look at. And it really captures the feel of what's going on uh, with Abel. His whole world's just kind of destroyed, and his dad's at the center of it. And his dad's standing on top of uh, some wreckage and stuff, and it just is, it's just a really telling cover for where the comic book's at in the story. Uh, and it's just beautiful to look at. Yes. Middle West issue three is, uh, this is beautiful. I love the, the weird, it's very gray and very brown, but then this coloring on his chest, right? This sort of uh, tornado in sort of a neon blue is all over his skin, like a bluish green, right? Yeah. But if you look real close, he's got the same kind of heart that Abel has. Yes. I noticed that. Yeah, his is uh, the neon greenish, and uh, Abel's is like a like a sun color, like a sort of orange, right? Yeah, yeah, more uh, uh, more Abel's is more upbeat, more uh, bright and nice, where his dad's kind of darker and more uh, you know dim and yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh, right there. That color contrast is a sort of foreshadowing, if you will, of of the of them clashing, right? Uh, that maybe that. Uh, they're pa- they'll be out of control in their powers, and the two of them are going to come together, two forces of nature, right, that are going to sort of fight. Yeah, yeah, and I get that feel all the way through this whole book, that um, these two are just destined to meet again. But, I agree. Uh, yeah, the, I think the the reason why I picked it for interiors is because of the color palette that they pick and how they've been just so utterly consistently good. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful, right? The, it's a wide oh, range man. of just very bright colors. It's lovely. Very bright and beautiful. And then they go to the contrast between night and day. Uh, you know, the, the dawn and the dusk type feel that they have is, I mean, the colors are just magnificent. It's just so easy to look at and so, like, uh, visually moving that uh, there's just no way I could could have skipped it, you know? I had to pick this for art. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's it one seems of these like... books that I can look at just to look at. Oh, absolutely. You just get you get caught up looking at the panels. They also yeah. do, like you said, that sort of three times of day really well. You know, they seem to have that morning light and that, that the evening light and then that sort of right at twilight time as well. Where things just yeah. kind of go gray and the color is kind of washed a little, you know? It's like it changes. Yeah, and they they uh they do the they do the switch really well. You know, they kind of blend into it sometimes. Where, you know, you get that kind of like dawn, uh, the dawn feel into the day and then the, uh, it's just so good. It's just so beautiful to look at, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, good pick, man. It's a, it was definitely a runner up for me. Beautiful cover and beautiful art for Middle West issue number three. Yeah. What a pick. Good one, man. And for me, uh, the, uh, this week's cover artist winner and artist winner of the week, uh, for me, uh, was one and the same as well. It's uh, Carl Kershaw and Miss Assie K of Isola, issue number six from Image Comics. Man, um, this was just stunning as well. I, I loved, right off the bat, this cover has this huge red tiger and with these kind of black, almost kind of venom-like tendrils that are sp- like sprouting out of its head. What did you think of that? I'm not sure, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks amazing, but I, I was like, is this part of... Uh... 
you know, part of the, the map in the back maybe, but I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. It kind of right. looks like it's a part of her. So, but uh, yeah, the tiger itself. And, and this is the cool thing about um, this book is that the tiger's all up in it and uh, it's, it's just as beautiful on the inside as it is the, the cover here. Yeah. And back to the cover, I, I love the, the majestic look of this tiger. It's just sort of staring forward in this, I get this sort of feeling of strength. It's just, you know, beautiful beast is, is there, posed. And then uh, that map, I'm, I'm always a sucker for map, but they use that as a light, almost whitish just background, that Lord of the Rings kind of map, which I love. And it makes those covers really stand out. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. It gives it, and it gives you a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a feel of what the, the book's all about. You know, it's like definitely fantasy whenever there's a map involved, right? Yes, right. It just screams Lord of the Rings. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the the tendrils are a little bit more of a metaphor for uh, what's sort of happening with what actually the word Isola means, which we will talk about a little bit later. But um, it's just a stunning uh, cover, and it catches your eye with this red and white striped tiger, and like I said, these black venom tendrils and that map. It's just to me, it's just absolutely just stunning. And the interiors uh, are just—it's just mind blowing. Every every issue of this, I just absolutely love, and they seem to get a little better. This opening sequence of this pond and the lily pads and the water lilies, it's like this beautiful classic Monet painting. What did you think of that opening sequence? Oh, yeah, absolutely beautiful. And the, the cool thing about this book is that uh, the visual storytelling is so on point. It's just, uh, it's one of those ones where uh, I've seen it before that they have just very little dialogue, but the visuals are just so telling and so perfect that, you know, it's one of those ones that you got to read a couple times sometimes because you just uh, you, you kind of flip through and then you're like you get stuck on a panel here or there. But then when you go back and you read it again, it, the visual storytelling hits you a second time. and You're like, oh, wow. It's just yeah, these these folks are professionals. Yes. And the, it, the visual storytelling, I think, uh, goes very well. And so that they they've minimalized uh, any sort of. There's no narrative. There's no thinking bubbles. Uh, there's just very little talking, you know, bubbles from time to time. It's very minimal, right? Overall, it's just about the the, the art standing out in this. Yeah, especially in uh, the way that the art tells the the um, or the way that the art does world building. Yeah, with the characters and the world itself, and the you know the backgrounds. Everything is just. Everything tells this story, and it's just so good, man. Wow. Yeah, and any sequence where the dark blue tiger, which is the Queen Olwen, um, is on is on is in a panel, I just I just love the way the dark blue and the kind of light blue neon stripes of this tiger, and uh, and whenever uh, it's like the three things are together when when the Captain Rook is, which I love the design of the way the captains of their army look. And the way this gorgeous blue and white neon striped tiger and then bodies of water. Like it's just like whenever those three things are in a panel in this, which seems like 60% of the time, (laughs) it's just stunning, right? Stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The water again is the way that they do the water is uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's just very lifelike or like real, you know? Yeah, and I, I've, the... I've followed Miss Assie K watching her sort of process, and initially you think um, maybe a lot of this is digital, but it, it seems very little of it is actual digital rendering. She, She's kind of a painter and and painstakingly takes her time with the, the water feature. She'll kind of show her three or four step process of how she makes the water look, and it's, it's just layer upon layer. It's beautiful. 
Oh, wow. Well, that makes sense, because when you look at it, uh, you could definitely see, you can see everything that she does as to where, you know, the the level versus the moving water versus the, like, action water. It's, yeah, it's just done, it's done amazing. I'm really yeah. surprised that... Uh, that this isn't digitally rendered and to even the sort of blurring background waterfall water. Like it's all in all different aspects of water, right? Yeah, exactly. And it, and it all looks exactly like you would expect it to look. Yeah. It's a lovely, lovely piece of art. And that's almost every time an issue of Isola comes out. Uh, for me, it's a, it's an artist and cover art winner or runner up. Anyway, it's always in the, in the conversation. As soon as I see, Oh, the soul is coming out. I'm thinking, okay, we'll get ready. It's going to probably uh, win best artist and best cover art, but, uh, it's stunning and it's lovely. And thank you, uh, Carl Kershaw and miss Asike of a issue number six. That is why you're my cover artist and artist winner of the week. Um, lovely stuff and middle West, man, good pick. So, uh, there you have it. Those are our artist winners. Good stuff. And the breakdown. Uh, I actually read a pull list of 14 comics uh, this week. Well, how many did you have? I had 19 this week. Now you beat me again. And uh, only two of them made it to our uh, great comic book recommendation list. Only two. That's right. It's tough to make it to the Sunspots Comics recommendation list. And uh, new number ones. I actually had two new number ones this week. How many did you have? I had zero number ones. Zero. Well, zero of our two number one, new number ones <laughs> made it to the top pick list. Uh, they got to be great, or we won't mention them. They got to make our list. They got to be fantastic new number ones. Uh, oh, and before we uh, get into the top picks, you also have an honorable mention. What comic book is worthy of such an honor this week? Uh, I had to go with Deadly Class number thirty-six. Awesome. I actually read it as well. Uh, you. Uh, Rick Remender is one of your favorites, as you said on the podcast a few times. Uh, what, first, break down the issue. What did you think of... Uh, why, is, why did it get an honorable mention, uh, Deadly Class, uh, issue 36? Well, uh, 100% because of uh, the art and uh, just the story in general. I've been really into the story. The art of uh, Wes Craig is... Uh, it's just been consistent. It's been good. His character design is fun. It's, um, you know, it's kept me, it's kept me enthralled through 36 issues, you know, and that's, uh, that's saying something these did this day and, you know, quick, uh, in the, the day of, uh, instant gratification. He's, he's kept me going through 36, uh, long months of, you know, plus the, the time off that they've taken. Yeah, they do take some breaks. Uh, you're right. It's uh, to to keep going with 36 issues and have you still interested and engaged with it. That's that's great. This issue, I read it as well. I wanted to jump back in. I read like the first 20 and then I kind of bounced out and I saw it was on the list. It was kind of a light week. So and I know you love Rick Remender, so I thought I'd give it a try just for that. And I did enjoy it. Like like 75% of it was like a weird kind of dream sequency, like a drug trip, right? Yeah, I think it was too. Uh, he was out in the desert, just losing his mind. And uh, again, <laughs> Wes Craig's art is uh, fantastic. Like the way that he, uh, the visual storytelling. Wow, man. Um, and I, I wonder how much of this has to do with Rick and his, uh, you know, their 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 jive that they got going on through thirty six issues. I wonder how uh, Rick just said. Well, you know, I was thinking maybe uh, he could have a, you know, a little bit of a thing going on here and then this and then all of a sudden you get this crazy sequence of 
of events and it's uh it's really mind-blowing the way they uh the way that they use the visuals here it's really kind of scary it's almost borderline uh borderline uh horror ish yeah yeah totally he has like a way of like of of use of of leaving a lot of white space like even the font size of certain of the of the speech bubbles he just leaves a lot of white space he gets very detailed and leaves a lot of just kind of empty areas of art but then like he'll have just art floating like outside of panels like his panels are all there's no line edging on his panel, so like there's just like an explosion of art all over the place. I missed his art. That's another reason I wanted to jump back in was I missed Craig's art. I hadn't seen it in a while. I was like, I need to go revisit it. And he's stayed the artist on every issue of this from all from one to now. So uh, that's that's something to be said as well. But man, I just I I dug the the very kind of stylized, very hip, very kind of modern feel of of what I'm getting from Deadly Class. Yeah, I definitely feel that too. And you know, another thing, um, I don't know if you know, but the pilot came out for the TV show. Yeah, I, I, I watched it. Uh, what did you think of it? Oh man, I absolutely loved it. It's uh, it's w- one of my most uh, anticipated things of this year, and boy, I I was not let down at all. Yeah, it was dark. It was uh, intense. It was like it. It didn't feel like a network show, right? The the violence, the language. I don't I don't I downloaded it on iTunes, so I don't know what channel it's going to be on, but it felt oh, very on, rated R. Yeah, it's on Sci-Fi. So okay. I think that's why he has a little bit of leeway when it comes to, you know, well, it's a school full of assassins. So yeah. there's going to be some some pretty hardcore fight scenes and possibly murder. But, uh, yeah, I think sci-fi is a really good place for it to have landed. I'm not sure how much sci-fi is going to be in it, uh, just judging on the comic. But, <laughs> right. But, hey, you know, wherever you got to go to get this to happen, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, the other comic book series that comes to mind that's on sci-fi for me is uh, Happy. And uh, it, it definitely goes along with that sort of vein and being very violent, very dark, right? Going to some places that uh, I was really surprised. But even some of the characters look just like the characters in the comic. Yeah, and that to me is another big thing is uh, they got Remender to write it, you know? So this uh, this comic is loosely based on his uh, growing up, right? Right. Uh, teenage years, really mm-hmm. volatile years. So they got the, you know, they got him to help write it. They stayed true to the cast of characters, the way that they look in the comic versus the actors that they picked up. And to me, that's all that I want is somebody to be, you know, that's why I like Marvel. They went and got people that genuinely feel like those characters. And that's yes. kind of what I, I enjoy about this. And I'm just glad that they did it correctly or, um, you know, at least gave it a really good shot. Right. It's when they stay true to the essence of the comic book source material, right? Yeah, because even even when they change certain things or maybe you can't get an actor that looks exactly like said character, uh, stay true to the feel of it. And I definitely feel like they stay true to what Rick was trying to do with this comic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because uh, he's, uh, he's doing it, right? It's uh, his baby in both ways. He's trying to probably make something that stands out on its own. It's a little different, but, it, but also, again, pays pays you know tribute to the true you know comic book source material so yeah huge. Exactly. yeah when is the when is uh do you have any idea when the rest of when the next issue comes out of the of the pilot 
I'm the not classic. really sure. I think they just uh, kick into this, uh, the whole full season next, but I think uh, it's, it's either next week or maybe uh, the week after. Great. Well, I can't wait. I, I definitely, uh, we recommended, folks, uh, Deadly Class, the TV show, uh, and the comic. I mean, to, also, it's a fresh kind of jumping on point, also. That's what I thought was I was happy to see, because there was a break, right, between 35 and 36 of Deadly Class, and this yeah. one kind of has a fresh start. Gives you a great, uh, at the beginning, uh, where the story's been so far, a great recap. So, I appreciate that, but would you agree? Great jumping on point? Yeah, definitely, uh, <clears throat> because this particular issue... It kind of, it kind of just thrusts you in a little bit to, to uh, the main character and everything. But it, it picks up again. But you don't, um, you don't necessarily need to be all the way up to date to jump in. I think you will want to, right? It's it. it yeah, you'll you... want to, but, <laughs> yeah. but you don't have to be. So this, yeah, this this is a good point to jump in if you if you really. If you're uh, interested. Yeah. Besides the acid flashback of 75% of it, <laughs> yeah. the last 25% uh, pick up the story and tell you where it's going. I like that. Yeah, exactly. So I think I'm, I'm right now considering uh, on your recommendation of adding it to my pull list. It's, it's look like it's looks like it's happening. So thanks man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. That, that's what we try to do here, right? Get you to go out and buy it, huh? Heck yeah. You know, the, the, we can spend all the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do. Trust me. <laughs> well, thank you, Ian, for the honorable mention of Deadly Class, issue 36. And we recommend the Deadly Class pilot. It's available now for free on stuff coming to sci-fi very soon. And looking forward to seeing that. Kid Assassins, right? Assassin School is what yeah. uh, it kind of boils down to. But here we go now. Here are the top comic book recommendations. This is our list of what we consider to be the best of the new comic books that just came out Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, January 16th. So we do strongly recommend you go buy these at your local comic book shop today. What LCBS do you support out in the Washington area? I go every Wednesday to meet with my buddies Jeremy and Damien at uh, Stargazers Comics in Tacoma, Washington. Really, really awesome place, man. They have toys, they got comics, they got all kinds of stuff, uh, all kinds of nerdy stuff, posters, whatever, you know, you can think of pounders and coffee mugs and just all kinds of cool stuff, man. And they're super fun guys. They take their time to uh, listen to you, to make recommendations based on, you know, the smallest of of hints that you give them uh or the, you know you can sit there and talk with them for hours on your favorite character whatever uh you know whatever you feel like doing man they're just good guys and uh yeah that's the story i go to they 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 keep a crazy amount of books held out to the side for me which by the way is not always um, lucrative for them sometimes they buy books and people don't pick them up so don't be that person. But uh, yeah. <laughs> there's our PSA. You comic yeah. book pull listers out there, go yeah. to your store and pay for your comics and pick them up. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they hold books for me, rare books, crazy books that nobody else buys. They'll they'll get them for me. They'll hold them for me. And uh, yeah, just great guys, man. Love them. Thank you, Stargazers. I also support Comic Madness in Ontario, California. Hello to owners Lee and manager Jeremy. Uh, we both got Jeremy's at our at our LCBSs. Um, right. Oh, by the way, uh, Jeremy, the manager of Comic Madness, is actually doing a variant cover of my comic book, Zombie Destroyers, for issue number one. 
uh, he's working on it as we speak. So uh, thank you, Jeremy, for doing that. I can't wait to see it all done. I'm like, I'm so pumped to see your cover. But uh, please follow Jeremy. He's a great artist at Skeleton King 82. So check him out and please support your local comic book shops. Uh, it's important. They need the dough. Uh, keep them in business. And uh, we guarantee you, you go into a local comic book shop, there's going to be something for everyone. So please support your local comic book shops. And so now here we go. There were two great comic books this week that we recommend. So here we go. Coming in at number two is Baby Teeth, issue number 14. This is from Aftershock Comics. This is written by Donnie Cates, who can do no wrong in my in my book. One of the best. Amen. And, amen. And artist Gary Brown. By the way, uh, Baby Teeth is the 2018 Sunspot Award winner for the best horror comic book. And yes, you can go into the feed and check out the best of 2018. They are all listed there. You can hear who all the winners are of Ian and I talking about all the best comic books of the year. Um, but I got to say right off the bat, this issue <laughs> more than once shocked and surprised me a few times. W- did that happen to you reading this? Yeah, a little bit. I think especially uh, after the last issue and where it, where it picks up. Yes. I, I didn't think I could be any more shocked until the ending <laughs> of this issue. <laughs> Right, it seemed like it was leading towards a pretty clean, like a pretty, you know, easy to sort of expect uh, kind of ending, right? It feels like this is wrapping up. Um, and last issue, uh, the Ritter family lands in hell, and they're facing the Beelzebub himself. <laughs> but uh, Donny Cates threw us a uh, threw us for a loop here. We, we I, I didn't see some of the stuff coming that Donny Cates did here. Did, did it surprise you uh, with one particular thing being the devil? Did you did you did you like that twist? Did you see that coming? Um, see it coming? Not really, but <laughs> like it? Absolutely. Are yes. you kidding? This was one of the coolest twists I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, it's not the devil you're expecting, folks. Uh, that devil doesn't show up here, um, or does he? It's because it's like how people see the devil. <laughs> right. <laughs> But there are also some really hilarious moments in this, which that was another big surprise. Uh, given that it takes place in hell, uh, do you find yourself laughing at some of the situational things that happen here? Yeah, a little bit. I actually laughed uh, quite a bit through uh, a good portion of it, uh, you know, and a good portion of other issues, you know. Yeah, do you have been... kind of a effed up sense of humor, right? You're going to love yeah, Baby T? a little T? bit, yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate it. I do. I, I can... It, it it has this uh, sort of vein of like pulp fiction. It surprises you. It's very effed up, you know. The best way to explain it, um, and you don't see it coming. It sometimes feels like it's a PG thirteen comic, and then bam, hits you in the face with like rated R, right? Yeah, like kind of hard R too. Uh, <laughs> some of it. <laughs> I agree, definitely. It definitely hard. hits on some adult themes, you know. There's a censor bar used in a particular panel, which I'm not going to explain. You're going to have to see it. Yeah. They self-censored themselves. <laughs> but uh, I really also, um, getting off the R stuff for a second, I actually really felt that the like genuine joy when Sadie actually reunites and embraces her baby Clark. Was it just me, or did you actually sense some of that, that beautiful reuniting? Oh, most definitely. And I, that's one of the themes throughout the thing that I've... That I've always, at first it, I found it kind of strange, but then I was like, yeah, you know, most mothers love their children, at least, you know, most good mothers anyway. And <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, that's something that I've kind of grown to, uh, grown to like and feel kind of endearing, even though that's weird. 
right? Right. Yeah, but it it threw me off. But like now that we're fourteen in, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, go Sadie. Yeah, you know, I think it's because uh, Gary Brown, uh, wonderful job on art. I think it's because they uh, like those emotional embraces and such, and like where Sadie hugs her son Clark that she's been separated from for so long. They live in that embrace for a while, art-wise, right? They 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 make the art big. They let the panel go on. They show the close-ups of the faces. They really kind of sell it, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. That's that visual storytelling that is unique to comic books. And uh, yeah, Jerry Brown, man, he, he does a good job. Uh, like you're saying, that loving embrace, that um, motherly, the motherly feel. Um, he, he hits that out of the park. Yeah, and they just like to kind of let it uh, marinate, let, let you stay there for a minute. They don't just quickly move it on, and you know what I mean? These are embraces that take a little while, like Sadie's just holding Clark, and it, it just got me. It, it really did, and I think it's a testament to Gary Brown's kind of odd and different-looking art. Wouldn't you say that it kind of doesn't look like a lot of the stuff we're seeing? It's a very different kind of s- style that he has, right? Yeah, kind of, um, at least with the... Uh, at least with the like facial features and stuff like that, <clears throat> right? A little bit different, but I, I enjoy it. Um, I would say it's top notch. I totally. It, it has. It's very stylistic and and cartoony, but it's not colored that way. And uh, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Very like kind of cartoony, but the colors are uh, a little bit different. Not um, not typical. Right. It took me a little while to warm up to it. The story was immediately great when issue one came out. I loved it. And then I was like, well, this art's a little different. But now I've grown to just love it and look forward to looking at Gary Brown's art. It's it's just wonderful. And uh, and there's some biblical references in this. Um, there is some familiarity with a, just a very fiery look of hell. But um, as I kept reading this, I just kept saying, man, that's messed up. And oh my gosh, I can't believe they went there. And holy crap, did you do any of that as you're reading this? Yeah, a little bit, especially with the, uh, uh, the like monster thing that's behind him that he was like riding on, you know, the like yeah. the shark, uh, spider, scorpion uh, thing. Yeah, like <laughs> just nightmare incarnate. Oh, totally! This is a giant, great white shark with melded with a scorpion and yeah, and a spider. Like it's just a nightmare, and it's just there casually. You're right. Yeah, it's just kind of like <laughs> hanging out, like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, it's no big deal. It's like a 40-foot giant great white shark, too. It's not like you're, you know, like a, you know what I mean? He's like riding a whale that's a great white shark. It's giant. It's just insane. But uh, if you if, if you love just messed up comics that focus around uh, loving and a very interesting kind of family heart, uh, <laughs> and also that they're, the, you know, the ultimate important part of the story is they're trying to save the soul of this baby Clark who's kind of like a modern day antichrist uh, that's only a part of the encapsulation that is baby teeth but you're going to love it if that's the kind of stuff you love right you're going to love baby teeth oh yeah absolutely and like we said it's it's one of those uh, thrill rides that has a little bit of uh, it's not just 100% gore horror it's got a little bit of uh, a little bit of levity to it you know so, yes. There's yes. a new word, I think. I'm going to put your gore and horror together for gore. You know, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> she rolls off the thumb. But yeah, I uh, uh, agree, my friend. Well said. Well said. 
But here we go now, on to the number one top comic book pick of the week, the Jedi Master, the King, the Supreme Leader. The number one top comic book pick of the week is Isola, issue number six. It's from Image Comics. This is uh, my cover art and artist winner of the week, and it's from art by Carl Keschel and and also Miss Assy K and written by Brendan Fletcher. So, wonderful, wonderful comic. Uh, what can we say? This is the 2018 Sunspot nominee for the best fantasy comic book. Oh, by the way, again, check out the best of 2018 podcast on our feed. You'll hear who all the winners are. We mentioned a couple today, but go and check that out. It's on the feed. But uh, what can we say? Stunning, clean-lined art, some amazing colors. Uh, this also, did it feel to you like it's kind of a jumping-on point, like the starting of a new arc? Yeah, I think it is, actually, because... Uh... They just came out with the, the first trade. So, yeah. Okay. I didn't even know that the trade came out. That's, yeah. So this is definitely a place to jump on. They do a little recap. They kind of tell you where the world is. It ultimately might be Earth. They've, they've hinted a little bit that it could be Earth way in the future or something. And that there is this queen that is kind of the ruler of the land named Olwyn. And she's been turned into a blue tiger. And there is this one single soldier from, like, her elite guard that's trying to cure her and also trying to uncover who did this to her. That's a, is, would you say that's a good gist? Yeah, yeah. I, I would put that at the front. Yeah. And again, we've said it, low level of dialogue. It's a very quick read. If you had all six issues here, how long in your hand, how long do you think it would take you to read six of Isola? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, maybe an hour or two? Maybe yeah, like- you know, I think because we're going to stare at the art, you know? Um, yeah, you're right, yeah. and just sit there and stare at it because it's gorgeous. But if we had to read just the dialogue, which is very li- dialogue light, this might be like yeah. a 10, 15 minute read. But you're right, you, I stop and gander and gaze at the glory of Isola's art. Right? Yeah, sometimes you got to go back and do it twice too. Just it's it's that good. But yeah, if you wanted to just hurry up and get uh, caught up, man, yeah, it would be it would be a real quick read. And I like that they, I, I love that they've kind of explained what Isola means. Like, there hasn't been a character we've met that is named Isola, but we they've kind of tap danced around that it's like their strange version of purgatory. Did you did you grab that? The, the concept here is kind of outlined again in that they're in Isola, like they're dead, they're, it's in purgatory, but they see people and they communicate and they can do things. And there's also this sort of reincarnation through animals. So did you yeah. get that? Yeah, a little bit. Um, there's a lot about this comic and about this world that I, I'm i really intrigued about and a lot that I'm not really uh, up on, really. And I think that's that, that's part of the draw. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I've been piecing it together because I have been reading it over and over. And uh, I think that, that the core, because the name of it is Isola, is this strange purgatory and and also dealing with reincarnation of animals or being able to sort of chain turn their spirit into animals so i think that all of the sort of people that die in this comic book go into isola and they sort of figure out what animal they're coming back as that's just my sort of theory but i think that's where they're going with it what do you think yeah i think that's a good theory and it wouldn't surprise me at all especially with the like um super light spoilers but the very first uh part of this when they're at the water and uh the queen you know the queen tiger is being kind of drawn into the water by the other the like entity or something that uh what you said mixed with that kind of uh you know that beginning sequence that really makes sense you know yeah 
and who knows i'm intrigued as well uh you know i could be off but yeah it is it does um it's mysterious in a way right and keeps us going and and, and entertained and and enthralled and wanting to read more i think that's a, a big big you know component of the isola um you know all altogether game plan i would say yeah definitely and it's it it's been that way since issue one uh, guaranteed, if you were to pick up the trade, you wouldn't put it down until you were done. And no. then you would read it twice. And then you would go out and get this one, and then you would read that twice. And you'd take so, some pictures of it, use it as wallpaper on your phone. You would, yeah, all those yeah, things. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you'd take pictures of it and post it on social media. It's just beautiful. These amazing, like, colored swamps and bodies of water with, with tigers. It's just amazing, beautifully colored and beautifully detailed. Um, I also love the... It's a little different for them in a way. They've added a little tension to this particular issue. Uh, when Captain Rook, the the elite guard, kind of sneaks into that camp full of soldiers, like you really feel like maybe this is where they split up. You know? Yeah, uh, that whole sequence was done really well, and um, it's it's one of the sequences that because to me there's a lot of mystery wrapped around this, right? Totally. But uh, this sequence kind of grounds. Uh, the captain in you, you know ground grounds her as a character and is like hey don't forget that uh don't forget the, the that these are people you know what i mean yeah and that they can this can all quickly go wrong and uh yeah i like yeah. that the bit of tension they threw in there and you know they're just trying to get supplies and food but like is she gonna get caught uh you know what, what will happen are they gonna reunite is she gonna find the cure for you know queen olwyn like uh, we're not going to tell you, folks, in case you're wondering. You got to read this. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but it's phenomenal. There's a reason why it's a 2018 Sunspot uh, nominee for best fantasy comic book. Isola, issue number six, our top comic book pick of the week, folks. Uh, you got to read it. Got to get it. Get it in trade, as Ian just said. It just came out. So get Isola. We highly recommend it. So those are our new comic book recommendations this week for New Comic Book Day, January 16th. Let me lock the vault door. There we go. Please, please, please go to a local comic book shop and buy these immediately. Support them. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to maybe a personal comic book recommendation from one of us, email us directly. I'm at chris at sunspotscomics.com. I'm at ebombs, E-B-O-M-B-S, at gmail. And if you want to see the whole Sunspots Comics universe encapsulated in one place with all of my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, go over to sunspotscomics.com. Check it out. Click on the pull list. You'll see the just updated 90 comic books that I'm currently reading altogether. Have you done an inventory? Do you know how many you have on your total pull list right at this at this point? Uh, well, I asked my guys at my comic book store, and I'm up close to 120, but that's, you know, oh. well, that's with stuff that's that's already ended, you know? So. Oh, okay. So you got to uh, you got to get up. an inventory update. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just did it. And man, it's tough, right? You to clear out, oh, this was only 8 issues, this is 10. Do I want to pull this anymore? Is it did it get 3 thumbs down for me? So yeah, I, I cleaned it up. I'm at 90. So if you want to see all that and everything encapsulated in one place, go check out sunspotscomics.com. And hey, would you like some uh, free comic books? Well, on the Sunspots Comics podcast issue 191, uh, Ian and I give away the Conan the Barbarian, issue number one. And from time to time, as a thank you to listeners, we give away free Marvel Digital comic book codes on the Sunspots Comics podcast. And there are still some unclaimed codes that are available right now, like Conan, the Barbarian, on Sunspots Comics podcast 191, is still available. So all you got to do is just listen to the podcasts that are in the past on our feed, grab the Marvel Digital code 
that I usually read somewhere towards the beginning of each podcast. Then go to marvel.com slash redeem, punch it in, and see if you won. It's that super easy. So go get them. Good luck. And also thank you to our sponsor, CryptidZoo. My buddy Julian hand makes these awesome augmented reality t-shirts. They're based on cryptozoology. You take your smartphone and this HP reveal app and every cryptid zoo t-shirt comes to life. You got to see this. Which one was your favorite that we're mailing you very soon, Ian? The one of my, uh, the big city that's just north of me, Seattle. It's uh, the skyline of Seattle with the Space Needle and all that cool stuff. But it has a giant squid coming uh, to like, you know, drop on, drop on down into the skyline. It's uh, it's really cool. I can't wait to get it. And that is part of uh, the cryptozoology lore, right? That there's like a giant octopus living uh, in the bay in 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 seattle right uh yeah he's actually in tacoma underneath the uh, tacoma narrows bridge oh it's really there i see yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like what you're saying but anyway go and check out cryptidzoo.com but most importantly use the promotional code sunspots comics and you'll get 25 percent off your order that's right 25 percent. so go and check out cryptidzoo.com and also tune in next week to hear ian and myself on issue number 193 of the sunspots comics podcast where I actually, on my pull list, I've got 20 new comic books on my pull list for new comic book day, January 23rd. How many for you? I think I only have 18. I think you got me beat. I got you beat. I win. I win the prize. <laughs> Hand the man his Cracker Jacks with some prizes. <laughs> um, I also have three new number ones uh, that I'm definitely checking out next week. How many do you got? Yes, I have three as well. Oh, nice. Well, we're going to read all those. I, I didn't do the math, but it's something like 74 comics, I think. Uh, we're going to read all those, and remember our pledge. We're going to read all those comics. We're going to only tell you about what the greatest of those comic books are, so you can save some time and save some moolah. That's always important, right? Oh, absolutely. The moolah. And please help us out by telling a nerdy loved one about the Sunspots Comics podcast. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes with a few positive words. We'd really appreciate it. If you do so, I'll actually give you a shout-out on a future podcast. And I will mail you a comic book prize package as a small little token of my appreciation. And by the way, every link that Ian and I discuss, uh, all the websites and everything we mention, are on the podcast notes. So please check those out. They're very detailed. And last, of course, thank you so much for listening. We hope you had a great time. Did you have a good time, Ian? Oh, every day. All you, the time. You better have, because I already sent the check. It's already... Uh, it's in the mail for your good time. But sincerely, really, we really thank you. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we sincerely thank you for listening. We know there's a lot of choices in podcasts, so thank you for your time. We hope you love our comic book recommendations because they're that good. So now go spend some quality time with the ones you love by reading comic books together. Be water, my friends. And to be continued. To be continued. To be continued. Bye-bye. Comics now.